Welcome to episode 350 and five of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting across the table from me. Black shirt on, black hat on the table, black heart on his sleeve. <laughs> Russell John, the fisherman. I fucking hate you. Sometimes I come in here and I want to just stone face the weird shit. You, or I'll dress accordingly now. I'll never wear any of our shit again. Like anything that says overlook or uff. Yeah, that's you, what we call checks and balances. Mm-hmm. Thank you very much. And helping us do that is Oksana Valerian of Osachi. Oksana? You got my middle name right. I get it right every <laughs> week. <laughs> no. Thank you very much. And also joining us from Atlanta, Georgia, in his home with a plain white tee mimicking his favorite band, Randy Michael Stapp. Hey there, Delilah. <laughs> I set him up. And he delivers <laughs> comedy. <laughs> you fucking idiot! God. Yeah, how's it going? Um. Yeah. So what's up with the fucking bird cloud? What do you mean? The band. You got the shirt on. They posted again. Do on, you know? Do you know why I have they, the shirt on? Coming back because I can fit in the shirt again. <laughs> That's why I have the shirt on. Congratulations! What is every it? every couple of weeks? I'll go down to the garage. And pilfer through the clothes that I put in there that I couldn't fit into months ago, and now I can fit into them. Ah, that's why you had shirts all over my fucking bench. I yeah, for I'm sorry. I was like, what happened? Because like, I was like, I'll wash those, and then I forgot. And then do you know what I did, Randy? I took the shirts and I folded them. He did fold <laughs> them, and then I unfolded them and threw them into the washer. Okay, dude, they were driving me crazy. I'm like, you can't just have random laundry laying around. Yeah, I know, especially in like. The area of like working out. I don't know why I put it that way. But again, well, before we started recording, you mentioned Avril and you got me excited. Her new album. I didn't mention Avril. I just sang Avril. Oh, that's right. Oh, you know what? That happened at work too. Somebody was singing lyrics to Complicated and I just kept going. Weird Al? Yeah, Weird Al was singing it. No, um, I just want to recommend her new album. Uh, They're really pushing that song, Love Sucks. I'm not a fan. Machine Gun Kelly is in there. And so it, it's all over the place. But uh, Bite Me, I highly recommend that. I fucking love that song. Oksana hates it because she does use the word in a rhyme, wifey. It is the best thing ever. I might have even mentioned it on here before. I just, I'm not a fan. Her I don't lyrics, know why you hate Avril. They're like very basic rhymes that get stuck in your head no matter how you feel about her. And it makes me like her less. It's called pop music. <laughs> this is what Randy rages against every day of his life. <laughs> You know, um, isn't she re- uh, wasn't she dating the dude from Nickelback or is she still no, some 41? Ah, uh, yeah, they broke up. Way to bring up an old wound, Randy. Um, also, <laughs> I've started following. Oh, God, I don't know why I would talk about that. I started following a lot of pop stars on Instagram. <laughs> so I get to see all their reels and Avril returned. To the place where she took uh, her photo for the first album. You're in New probably York. the reason I started getting her reels, and I don't follow her. <laughs> Why would you get them? I don't know. Your probably phone's probably listening because our GPSs nowhere near each other. I don't. They're like that's an Avril hotspot <laughs> up there in the mountains of San Bruno. God. Yeah. So everybody needs to get on their Avril. Also, <laughs> fuck you, Randy. <laughs> um. I guess I'll just go ahead and mention now there's not going to be a TBR report today. Oh, boy. 
because of fucking Amazon Prime. I don't know. I you know whenever there's something wrong, you you turn to the guru that will help you. Mm-hmm. In this case, it's Reddit. Because I'm like, if somebody's going to be bitching about some technical shit, it'll be on Reddit. Reddit. I can't find it. I, you know, Amazon, if you try to capture video, they, you know, they block it, which is good because you don't want people pirating shit. And I mean, all I was trying to do was hook up the HDMI cord to my projector from my computer and I could not get the video to fucking work. And I spent an hour doing it. And I, Hmm. I don't know, Randy, I'm going to need IT support on this, so... Usually that's like the best way to do it. Like uh, some film fest, I try to like Chromecast or like Apple TV uh, to the TV and that's blocked. But usually, yeah, just HDMI is like the way to go. So that's Dude, weird. I don't, I don't know what working. was happening. It's been working just fine until today. Until fucking today. And then, you know, I had figured out a, ugh, it, it, it was, I literally spent an hour trying to get this shit to work. Hmm. And by the time I did, I was like, I'm not going to push this show back an hour and a half. So I just, I didn't do it. I'll come up with something else in the meantime because we always need a fun segment there. Um, yeah, that's all I got up top. All right, uh, I briefly wanted to mention um, now, Russell. You had you'd been waiting for some blowback for a couple weeks as we had a controversial guest on uh, a few weeks ago. And let, let me be very clear: this is not the first controversial guest we've ever had on the show, nor will it be the last controversial guest. Want to go name a couple have. of the prior ones we've had? I, <laughs> I don't care. I don't do. Have we had any? It, in different circles and in different, um, you know, definitions of the word controversial. Um, you know, when anytime I I think that outrightly this is the first time that we've had someone so outspoken, um, in their political beliefs and you know their verbiage that they use oh, that yeah, she's is a wild one. rather divisive. Yeah. Um. And, you know, we've had other guests, uh, you know, who came on to promote their snuff film. <laughs> you know, I did think that, too. I'm like, fucking uh, my boy with Charlotte's Net, James Dobbin Jones. Yeah. No complaints. <laughs> no complaints. Uh, we've also had other uh, filmmakers that uh, have a reputation of not being, um, you know, cool people within the industry. Uh, so, you know, whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Um, we will have whomever we want to on this show. We have, and we will continue to do so. Uh, so, you know, that, that's the thing. Both Russell, I, uh, Randy, Oksana as well. Uh, we are all have firm convictions in what we believe and we're not going to let anyone try to change <laughs> that but we will let them talk and we want to engage in conversation because that is what we want to do on this show um, regardless of whether or not we agree or disagree with someone and I think that warrants good conversation especially if you do disagree fundamentally on some certain things um, so we will continue to do that so um, if you want to find another show please do so but we will uh, continue to do what we're doing on the show, and that's provide an entertaining um, <laughs> escape. <laughs> we got to start doing that at some point. I Next <laughs> week uh, on 357, we will do that. Um, yeah, so that's it. So, uh, you know, please send the hate. I do not care. <laughs> Send it to Clark. Also, if you're really worried about something, just know fucking Randy's one of our producers. If it was something really gnarly, he, <laughs> he wouldn't be part of it. But if Randy signs off, then it's all good with QAnon, and that's all we care about. 
Yeah. So, uh, long story short, uh, we're not bitches, <laughs> and you should be a bitch either. Thank you. Russell, do you have any way um, to uh, pave over my very broad statements? Uh, yeah. I just want to be clear that um, Annie Hardy has been 100% correct about everything she's ever said. <laughs> <laughs> and that we believe everything she spewed. You know, there's another disconnect here, too, where our audience, like, I think at the end of the day, we're a comedy show that covers films that hopefully people don't know about so we just kind of recommend stuff and there's a large swath of people who have no context for her twitter account right like i don't fuck around on twitter yeah and if you do i feel like you're in the battlegrounds so that's what twitter's all about so have fun on twitter don't bring it to me you i mean go look at my twitter i don't do shit on it but uh yeah i don't know people are nice start being nice to each other or else we are gonna like go to war yeah and it was nice to us yeah i know we were nice to her. Um, yeah, I don't know. You took a serious turn there. I wasn't ready for it. No, I'm just saying. I came in with Avril conversation. I'm just saying, you know, I have a tolerance for bitches. Oh, my God. I'm just saying. You know whose tagline that is, right? Uh, I do. General George Schwarzkopf. Who? Is OJ. OJ Simpson. <laughs> oh. On all... <laughs> You want to talk about fun people on I'm Twitter? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. All right, y'all take care. <laughs> He's on Twitter. I love it because he does true crime commentary. And it's really? like, dude, it's commentary on everything. Everything, but he's unaware. It's like, dude, you're a huge I cultural I truly icon. think we could get OJ on this show. Dude, okay. Let's just go down this path. Do you And here's the thing. We could get OJ Simpson on this show. <laughs> we wouldn't get any pushback. Oh no, probably not. But we bring Annie Hardy on again. Oh yeah, That's and we're fine. we're sharing a jail cell with Harvey Weinstein. So weird. Well, I mean, what what about what's his name? Uh, who's the dude that uh, shot a former Woody president? Allen. <laughs> yeah, Woody Allen. <laughs> <laughs> no, who the, oh, that's doing country music yeah, now. The fucking music. What's his name? John Hinckley Jr. Yeah. yeah, nobody gives a fuck about him. He's yeah. got a following. Yeah, I mean, this man failed to murder somebody. Well, MK Ultra. Okay, <laughs> and Sirhan Sirhan. Yeah, I don't know. We got a weird culture. They won't pardon Sirhan Sirhan. Who the fuck is that? Bro. He's your bro? You gotta get your life together. Who is that? Does anybody else know? You need to know about I do conspiracy not. theories, dude. Oksana? Um, I just looked him up. He's a murderer. <laughs> <laughs> All right, checks out. <laughs> Sirhan Sirhan was MK Ultra, dude. Okay. His little bio on... Um, <laughs> Oh, no. <laughs> it just says murderer. <laughs> he, like- <laughs> he killed Robert F. Kennedy. Oh, all right. Does he make country music? Dude, he was MK Ultra. That's fine. Now we're going to get canceled again. You can't cancel people that got nothing to Word. get rid of. And that's my <laughs> point. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, back to Avril. Again, it was a uh, highly it was maximum nostalgia. No one ever goes back when to she, Avril. When she returned <laughs> to that corner in New York. It was incredible. Also, I think she is drinking the blood of virgins because she looks like she has not aged at all. Is she still married to Good Charlotte guy? Oh my God. Do either of you listen to the show? Some 41. Some 41. Oh. And no. They're all the same. Both tonight. covered like five minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Whatever. Do y'all want to start this shit? Yeah, kick this thing off. I guess. Okay. You know, we flew in David Lynch. 
he's not fired yet despite clark's uh best effort and he's dude he knows he's still riffing and rolling he's coming in here he's chatty before he wouldn't even make eye contact with us now he's got this like weird oh no look, look oh randy were you trying to seduce him with your blue velvet poster? <laughs> you have a poster unrolled laying on your floor? Yeah, I've been meaning to frame it, but I uh, haven't bought one yet. Oh, dude, are you going to go? Is it a actual one sheet? Uh, yes. It's a reprint. It's okay. A reprint. Yeah. I, there's I got many- it from the Roxy when they had just like uh, free posters by the door. Oh, okay. Then it's probably an official reprint for like a re-release or something, which is, yeah. I, I honestly think is just as cool where they would do like video store prints. Um, yeah. Be careful, man. Uh, you know, if you get a like 70s one sheet, they're not standard size and you got to get into the whole custom framing thing. And that's where, you know, you get a dude who spent $200 on a on a badass, like, I don't know um polanski poster and they bring it in they're like yeah i want to get it framed and then you give them a quote and you're like okay it'll be twenty two hundred dollars what dude so you know if you ever go to michael's or aaron brothers if you have one around dude custom frames they're building you a frame then you have to put glass in it and you don't for a movie poster you don't want glass and that's too heavy two thousand and two hundred us you're going acrylic so you're getting like non-reflective plastic put in your fucking custom frame so normally, yeah, it's it's like twenty two, but they start you off at a discount. So you'll come in at like fifteen hundred, and it's like that moment, dude. I I've, I've talked about it on here. I used to spend my tax returns on framing posters. God, yeah, it's fucking lame. Well, this has been another segment of poster <laughs> talk. I'm trying to kick. Hey, my movie poster, dude. Look at the closet over there. You see all those poster dudes? Yeah, some of them are mine. Addictions of a fucking thing. I have stuff in tubes that I don't even remember. Oh, can we can we talk about it? My semen? Your uh your four days of victory? My four days of victory. Oh yeah. a bit for the show that That's started right. like months ago. That's right. Well, as you, you know, I really focused on the psycho magic. Oh, good. And I I called my mother. I said, <laughs> please send me a bag of hair and fingernails and I'll return it in an effort to stop smoking and I'm four days in dude. Congratulations. That's gotta be hard. I almost smoked today. You know, I was worried because, uh, <laughs> last week you were talking about the kookaburra wings being gone. Got the kookaburra wings yesterday, son. It looked like there was a fucking kookaburra hurricane. Coo- it was. There, was, <laughs> there was, there were, there were, uh, brown bags that contained the wings at some point scattered all over from the, in the kitchen. There were plastic kookaburra boxes in the dining room. There were kookaburra crumbs. I had a, from kook- your ch- I had a kookaburra orgy, baby. Now here's the thing. I'm not joking at all. I can't, I woke up today and the sun it was so beautiful. It hit the room in the perfect way to see every fucking molecule of dust. I just stopped Oksana from sweeping this morning. <laughs> and I thought, holy shit, he got the kookaburra wings and started smoking again. And smoke. Dude, good job. I did not smoke. And you're flying back out for a Q-a-thon. I thought you'd be stressed. There is a horror convention in Phoenix this weekend. Uh, Neff Campbell's there. What the fuck? Uh, Barbara Crampton is there. Is it Mad Monster? It is Mad Monster. Oh, Mad Monster, yeah. Those guys are hella cool, too. They're really nice. They come out to Monster. But it ends by the time I get there. Oh, boo, dude. You could have went for the show. Expensed it. 
or introduce myself to Barbara Crampton for the fifth time. I know. Hey, she's. Why does she not remember you? No, she should. I don't think you. I think you've met her one time. No, I've met her at least three times. Yeah, she shows up. You put a you right. you put up a flyer saying horror convention. She's there before any of the staff. That's true. Um, wait, there was another thing I want to talk about. Okay, I don't want to bring this up in the show, but uh, last week was Fourth of July, and I don't think you watched fucking Uncle Sam, right? No, we watched the Joe Bob one, so we're not doing the Joe Bob segment later. But it uh, not a great movie. Again, uh, William Lustig coming off a of Maniac Cop one, two, and three, three where he quit, but. Uh, I, it's a very important film to me. I used, um, Apex Films was a distribution company that was the first company I acknowledged as putting out bad movies. So I'd go to the uh, video rental. I got it. Must have been Blockbuster with my cousin, and we would look for anything Apex put out. Uncle Sam, I think, actually ended that for us because we're like, well, this was kind of boring. And I, Joe Bob talks about it. There's no on-screen kills in that movie. He does get into an interesting story about how they blew up a house that had them run out of the town. Essentially, they were like legally told to stop filming and they still had a bunch of pickup shots. Uh, there was a child. There was a baby in a crib that the next morning they had taken pictures of. There was glass in the crib because the explosion blew out windows in the town. Jeez. And again, this is the thing. Uncle Sam, not a great movie, but it's a holiday horror film. So people will watch it every 4th of July. Dude, doing the Joe Bob treatment is the way to go because he'll sit there. He opened up with a long discussion of uh, America's mascots that started with Columbia all the way through, like, you know, the um, Statue of Liberty to Uncle Sam. And it was really interesting, but I could imagine people just being like, what are we doing? Like, what does this have to do with horror? But man, I dug it. Um, also, it felt a little like we were in a holiday horror movie ourselves because whenever there's a halloween <laughs> horror movie you know how it's like it's like there are trick-or-treaters like there's never been in the real world they're just all over everywhere well on the fourth of july we had the neighborhood thing going because we're in a little cul-de-sac they were lighting off fireworks like i honestly i was expecting clark to come down at any point complaining because they were going fucking non-stop but then on the other side we have that highway. Yeah. So people like uh, teenagers who are trying to get away from prying eyes of police or parents go out there to smoke weed and hang out and shoot fireworks. So we were literally sandwiched between nonstop <laughs> explosions while watching Uncle Sam. Honestly, it was, I think, the best it's experience cool. it could have been. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. A little scary. Some of those, some of those fireworks, I think, are just grenades like they, <laughs> i i don't know what kind of visual component they could possibly have but <laughs> jumped so many times yeah the cartel might have been out there exploding uh actual people at one again we do our our deck actually um we it started collapsing a long time ago before it was replaced and every time there are explosions like that i always imagine the house like sliding <laughs> off the yeah i again but yeah no it was great I'm not going to spend time on it later. Um, and I guess we could kick it off to David Lynch. Are you all good with that? Let's do it. All right. I know he's sitting out there waiting to come in. Uh, any predictions? Y'all want to do it? I, I doubt he's doing cake today. I hate to break it to you, Oksana. He did cakes last time, didn't he? No, he's never treats. done cake. He did treats. Randy's probably going to go coffee. Clark, yeah, you got coffee. 
Any wild ones? Uh, I'm going to say he's going to talk about ivermectin. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And I'll just, I'll make the safe prediction of he's going to add 14 more observation cars. All right. Let's bring him in. Good morning. It's July 10, 2022, and it's a Sunday. Day two of weekend projects. And the fun work train is running smoothly and continuously. And I just found out today they're serving popcorn in the dining cars. Whoa. I don't know if this is an all-time thing, but they've got it today. And I'm going to get a popcorn (laughs) and a hot coffee. And today I'm going to be working with wood. Okay. Clay and I resin. Okay. Ooh. Possibly glue. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone have a great day. Dude, David. Oh, all right. Um I told you. I don't know what this is. Nice Mas- master of suspense, this guy. Dude, popcorn? That's fucking cool. I'll tell you, dude, if you're seeing a 1 p.m. movie at a little independent theater, popcorn and a coffee is exactly what I'm getting. Thinking the same thing, yeah. I've never had popcorn and coffee together. What? <laughs> that is that is weird to that, me. That's not, no. I don't do afternoon coffee. I don't do popcorn. So there we go. <laughs> Wait, you don't do popcorn? <laughs> I don't really do popcorn. Oh, my God. I'm doing a fucking film podcast with you. I don't really like popcorn. You, you know, I also discovered the Korean corn dog over the the past week, and I am fucking obsessed. I love it. There's a hot Cheeto one. Oh my god, I think it's my favorite food ever. And Clark was just like, oh, "Fucking corn dogs oh, it makes a lot of sense. You like corn dog? I hate corn. Corn dogs ripped, dude. Dude, no. so fucking good. I love a corn dog. And it, later, I learned to discover that it's a what fucking sports slur for like a rival team or something. It's a shit. derogatory term that we use towards uh fans of Louisiana State University. Oh my god. Because they always smell like, you know, corn dog batter. And I've always called you culinary Clark, but you won't eat a food because of fucking sports. Also dude. just don't like corn dogs. You're the worst. <laughs> <laughs> Korean corn dogs are it. Pass. If I was gonna make a food truck again, it would be a fucking corn dog truck. Pass all right. Again, no TBR. Um, Thomas, I know you're out there. I'm so happy to hear that you've resurfaced. Every time you don't send an email, I am terrified that that's the time and that we'll end up finding a video with you on it. So um, I'm going to come up with a segment right now called uh, Short Stories That I've Read in the Past Couple of Days. What the hell? <laughs> Why no psycho magic? Um, I don't know. I didn't think of it, honestly. Oh, my I could have. You didn't think of a segment that you've done three weeks in a row, but you thought of this hunk of shit. It's honestly, I'm just shoehorning in. I wanted to mention that I had read Joe Hill's short story, The Black Phone. And, um, man, what an incredible adaptation into a script. I Now, for our listeners that don't know, Joe Hill is who? Stephen King's son. And, um, shout out to listener Sam, who sent me a link to it. I, um... 
I was like, what the, so that's his kid. Why is his name Joe Hill? And he was like, he probably doesn't want his name to be joking. Our Steven has nothing to do with it. <laughs> Honestly, <laughs> I looked him up after because I'm like, if, I mean, that's a good answer. You wouldn't want your name to be Joe King. Yeah. But it's hack. Well, it's also, you know, he's kidding around. I, yes. Thank, thank you. you. Um, if you Google Joe Hill, also Hill, I think is a, uh, his middle name. But um, if you Google a picture of him, he looks unfortunately like oh, Stephen King. That's very sad, <laughs> dude. I mean, dude, you want to get up? You want to get somebody who's fucking on the trigger on Twitter all day? How about Stephen King? That dude is spitting venom nonstop. Yep. On he that. looks like his dad and a young Francis Ford Coppola. Dude, it's so unfortunate. Is that his real hair? <laughs> he looks like a beetle, like a modern beetle. He something. does. Anyway, fantastic writer. I loved the short, uh, the black phone, and. It's interesting the way that uh, he's able to make characters that feel fully developed when you only have like maybe a line of dialogue from them. Like, uh, we didn't really spoil. I'm not going to spoil the black phone. If you enjoyed the film, go read the short story. It's only 27 pages long, which again is it's about like a half hour read. But Man, I, I don't know. Usually I feel like the conversation when you go back to the source material, it's always, oh, they changed shit I didn't like. They really just expanded on the story and they didn't answer any of the questions that Joe Hill had left. So anything paranormal, anything, any of the enigma, it is intact in the Black Phone film. Um, they did change the, uh, the abduct the grabber. Uh, in the short story, he's a fat dude. And Heck yeah. I mean, if you're going to get Ethan Hawke, you got to. Sorry, he's not going to be a fat guy anymore. Also, he didn't wear a mask in the short. But, dude, see, that's the thing. They should have gotten my boy, you know, Paul Walter Hauser. Is it Paul Walter or Paul Walker Hauser? I think it's Walter. <laughs> yes, yeah, definitely not. Now that's driving. Were, yeah. <laughs> dude, Paul Walter Hauser. He's got. Also, he's in a new Apple TV television series called Blackbird. It's all right. I hated the first 30 minutes, but it's turning around. Wait, Paul Walter Hauser, what? So you didn't like Ethan Hawke? Paul, I know, as a fat guy, Paul Walter Hauser would have crushed it. Yeah. I would have believed him more. Uh, well, the thing is, okay, so you know the whole diddling conversation we had? Did they go into it the, in short the short story? It feels, there are a couple like small passing things that kind of change the uh, mise-en-scene. I don't know what term you would use for that in a, in a written story. But, um, it's it's implied a little bit more See? in that one. Yeah. Without question. No. Pedophile. God, you know, you just see everything as a pedophile. pedophile. <laughs> well, remember the alt-right. I know. <laughs> that is true. Clearly documented. It is true. You know, the left, uh, their boogeyman is racism, and the right, their boogeyman is pedophiles. Right. And, of course, you're flying to Arizona for a queue-a-thon. I should have known. Um, We're out there, Anyway, baby. great story. I'm going to pick up a Walter Hill short collection uh probably in the next couple of days i think I, i'm probably gonna get one for my mom too because it's her birthday so when this is out happy birthday she was born on friday the 13th it is wednesday this week also i was reading another book that's related to a horror film called night of the demon now i'm gonna be very brief here because i don't really know about this weird phenomenon going on but uh who who wrote a uh, final girl support group grady hendrix grady hendrix there's a popular pocket 
in our uh, American culture of 70s novels or what are they called? Novelettes? No, novellas. Novella. Novella. Novelette. <laughs> Warm. Novelette. <laughs> so there's, you know, novellas that were made um, kind of expanding on horror films. So the reverse of the short story that turned into the black phone, where you have a feature film that then is turned into a full length book. Um, Severin has been doing this thing where they're commissioning uh, books for movies that had been out for over like three decades. So none of the demon, the uh, Bigfoot, uh, the cult that worships a Bigfoot that likes to rip people's dicks off has been turned into a yeah. book. Now I threw this in my queue thinking maybe I'll get to it at some point. I really like the movie and I'm reading it right now. Oh damn dude. It's fucking good. They really walk the line of serious writing, but like being self-aware also it's very, um, it leans into the genre. So you get all of the like titillating descriptions. You get Bigfoot potentially raping a co-ed. It is a uh, grotesque in a way that you probably couldn't do in a film anymore, but it's also like the craft is there. I'm enjoying the fuck out of it. I'm not done with it. I plan to revisit the film after, but I just want to say like, shout out to Brad Carter. That dude, he fucking crushed it in what I thought was just a joke making this book. I'm having a blast reading it. So, uh, yeah, I fantastic new book segment I just came up with. Um, I guess I'll end it now. That's oh, I have it turned off. Oh the end of. <laughs> <laughs> You're totally right. I should have just done fucking psycho magic. Psycho magic. Yeah, because it worked apparently for Clark. So right, it does work. That's why I'm saying Visitor QAnon is a positive film. Next week, do a psycho magic for Randy. All right. Well, we'll have to diagnose them. What's wrong with them? Oh, boy. <laughs> yeah. All right. I'll Too just things to a list. random page. <laughs> what are you, Bob Seger? Oh, Boom. Randy Michael. Yes, sir. How was your week this week? Uh, it was all right. You know, had the, uh, the short week, had, had Monday off for a good old 4th of July to celebrate the best country to ever do it. And then, uh, yeah. Had what a, you do? For 4th of July? Yes, sir. I sat at home and I watched the entire season of The Bear on Hulu. Oh, boy. And that is about it. Great show. I may have <laughs> cried at the last episode. What? No, what is this with... We got crying Randy now. Yeah, I don't know. It happens more often than it uh, has in the last, I don't know, 33 years of my life. So, Randy, why are you crying from, <laughs> from situational comedies from the FS Network now? It's a great show. Great, uh, great culinary show. Uh, you would be a fan, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, the, main, the main kid is great. I forget his, the actor's name, but... Uh, he's from Shameless. Great cast. And yeah, I've never seen Shameless, but uh, he's, he's super good in this. And the whole, uh, whole show is very good. I don't know if they're doing a season two. It, it ended in a pretty uh, way that I found satisfying. And uh, yeah, it's good. And then besides that, I, I literally just did nothing on 4th of July, which was <laughs> kind of nice. Now, Randy, you know, being immersed in a cooking show, did it reignite your culinary prowess? Uh, no, not really. So you haven't rebought your bread baking materials? No, you see, you see, baking and uh, cooking are two different things, though. So I, I understand. There is some baking in the show. Though. Goddamn ballpark! Don't don't waddle me with semantics, bro. Hey, what the uh, fuck's up with this lead in the bear claw? 
he, I feel like they're carrot topping him. What are you talking about? Because I'm looking at the posters and shit, and they make him look like kind of like a indie everyday guy. But then I'm flipping through on IMDb, and the dude's jacked. He's got some guns on him. Yeah, he's in Shameless. Yeah, he's pretty jacked. What the fuck? Are they trying to like tone down his masculine edge, bro? No. Dude, a lot of chefs are jacked. Uh <laughs> All right, Emerald oh, Lagasse. So uh, here's a little behind the curtain. I've been trying to push Clark into doing a culinary thing where we uh, have him make, I don't know, cook on camera. And he's like, no, we're a couple months out. Are you, so are you getting jacked to start doing cooking videos? That's right. <laughs> no wonder all those clothes were on my weights, dude. I'm taking HGH. <laughs> You're getting testosterone, dude. I'm going to get, uh, you know. I just think that it would the the cooking videos would be better if I had a little bit of roid rage. Me too. Yeah. Also, is fucking um and a more shriveled penis. Is Bam Margera in the bear? No. Why? Do you know is who I'm talking? Like him? Yes, there's a motherfucker. He looks like a bloated corpse with neck tattoos. I thought it was Maddie Bam Matheson? <laughs> Maybe he's in the bear. He's in the yeah. bear, and he's a producer on the show. Yeah. Oh, that makes a whole lot. I think Matty Matheson is doing his own show too. Okay. Oh, Pawn Star. Here's the thing, man. Like, I like Matty, but sometimes it's just a, a little too much sometimes. Is yeah, he a cook? He plays like, he's not even a cook on the show. He plays like their friend that kind of just hangs around and they, he like helps. He's like a handyman essentially. And like, not that good at being handy, but he's funny. He's not in every episode, I don't think, but he's good. Is he doing his thing? He's just being Matty Matheson? Yeah, yeah. Okay. He looks like the Burt Kreischer of cooking. That's a well. He's uh, completely sober now because he has lived quite a life and nearly uh, died. Again, he looks like a bloated corpse yeah. in that one. Still, okay. <laughs> he's a pretty big guy. Yeah, he's a well. He's a hardcore kid. Really? Oh yeah, big time. Hell yeah! And he's gotten back on the edge train, <laughs> big time. Also, <laughs> more tattoos than you could possibly imagine. Yeah, I'm looking at him, covered head to toe. Randy Michael, tell us what you think. Fourth of July things. I watched a movie that uh, takes place. The first scene takes place around Fourth of July. Uh, I've heard about this movie forever, and I've never seen it, and I don't know why. I'm just now seeing it. It's called The Parallax View from 1974, directed by Alan J. Pakula. Warren Beatty. Uh, Warren Beatty, yeah. Yeah. It is a, uh, you know, it's a 70s. paranoid America government uh, conspiracy thriller. Love Very it. good. Um, yeah, a lot of really tense scenes. It's shot by um, the guy who shot The Godfather, Gordon Willis, I think is his name off the top of my head. Um, so cinematography looks great. A lot of really tense scenes. Warren Beatty is really good. It is very, uh, it is a very bleak movie, but um, it's very good. It's on Criterion Channel, I think, until the end of the month, so. I was looking for something to watch yesterday, and I was being very indecisive, so I just went to what was leaving Criterion Channel at the end of the month, and uh, yeah, like I said, I'd always heard of the Parallax View. It's very much kind of like a, you know, a blowout or the conversation in kind of the same conversation as those type of movies. I don't mean to uh, say the conversation twice in a row, but um, <laughs> yeah, it was very good. I, I was a very big fan of it. I definitely, uh, I don't know, would maybe buy, I think it's actually on. Criterion, so the Criterion program stuff on the channel that's not actually like out on Blu-ray, but I think I would I would probably own the Parallax View. It's a uh, it's very solid. 
Warren Beatty or Ned Beatty? I'm going Warren just because I can't think of stuff that Ned is in. Uh, Network. Deliverance. Yeah. I've still never Those seen Deliverance. Two movies. Dude, Ned all the way. What about you, Russ? Uh, I don't think I've seen either of them. Oh, my God. Who am I doing? A Warren Beatty's got a, a great, great head of hair in this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Handsome. Handsome. No, I like Warren Beatty. Re- when I was home back in uh, for Thanksgiving, I had rewatched Dick Tracy for the first time in a very long time. Man, what a... Dick Tracy's wild. It straight up is, like, pre-Marvel. Um, I mean, they really went for it. And uh, I, it's fun. And Warren Beatty's great. I don't think I've ever seen the that movie in, I, in entirety, actually. I remember the first time I think I was aroused as a young man was watching Madonna in that film. Okay, nice. She did it. Thank you very much. Russell, you're Besides fine. the uh, Parallax view, <laughs> yesterday I also watched um, the new Andrew Dominic film that he did with Nick Cave called uh, This Much I Know to Be True. That is Nick Cave, not Nick Cage. Mm-hmm. Um, it is a... So if you've listened to the show for like five years, uh, I talked about <laughs> One More Time with Feeling, which Andrew, jo- Andrew Dominic did with Nick Cave, Warren Ellis, and his band. Uh, this was right around the time that um, Nick Cave's son tragically passed away, and it was kind of about the sort of that situation and then them writing the album, and it was shot. Uh, it was actually shot in 3D, um, so I saw it in 3D at the Castro, and I saw it once just normal. Great movie. Um, so this is very similar. I would say it, it's not as dark, but the songs are also pretty um, pretty somber. And, you know, when you're just hearing the lyrics, you can't help but, like, make connections to, like, a dead son, you know? So it is a little, <laughs> a little sad uh, in, in parts. But the way that um, he shoots this with um, cinematographer Robbie Ryan, just fantastic. They're in this, like, huge... It almost looks like a a building in a cathedral or something. It's like really high ceilings, really big, uh, just building and they have tracks. So a lot of the, um, performances they have Nick cave, Warren Ellis, and then they have like backup singers or a drummer or kind of whatever the song needs. Um, and there are like tracks like Dolly tracks that kind of like circle the sort of like stage area, but you get to see like, all the technicians, you get to see the tracks, you get to see like all the cables and everything. So it doesn't really like do much to cover all that up, which I find really interesting. Um, yeah, and the songs are really good. Um, I think they're songs from the last two albums, Ghost Teen and Carnage. Um, I hadn't actually listened to those albums, but uh, the songs are really good and they kind of, uh, I don't know, he just shoots it really beautifully. There's like different lighting, he uses different like lenses and different cameras like for each song and like the way that either cameras like will go in close or like kind of pull back just like really kind of like provokes more emotion like that the song is like going for um yeah i don't know i've never really seen besides the other movie that they did together i've never really seen much like concert footage really filmed this uh i don't know this way that's like looks so cinematic and everything so really good uh like i said it is a little bit somber um, but other than that, I think if you're a, a Nick Cave fan, I would definitely recommend it. Love Nick Cave, but late stage Nick Cave is, uh, that stuff is heavy, man. Yeah. And I just kind of stayed away. 
it's I don't know. I, That's you fair. Know, I, I don't. I just don't want to be like you know current day current day Randy crying at everything. Did it make you cry, <laughs> Randy? It didn't. No. <sighs> We got. A, we still got a little bit of the old Randy in him. <laughs> um, yeah, man. You know, it's uh, also Randy. Uh, the Viagra Boys. Their new album came out on Friday. Oh, nice. Which is named Cave World. So, also, I think there are a lot of similarities th- with Nick Cave and uh, the Viagra Boys, especially like pre Grinder Man Bad Seeds. And like sure, a little yeah, bit yeah, of Grinder yeah. Man, but like definitely not late stage. But um, you know, there's heavy Nick Cave influences with that band. Great band. I heard a little bit of the new album. I didn't dig it. You don't know the Viagra Boys? Yeah, it pops up on my radio radar, baby. Does it? Yeah. I, I you actually, like the Viagra Boys? Uh, They're cool. I like the little bit of. I couldn't even name a song, but I like them a lot. I had no idea they had something to do with Nick Cave. I wouldn't say that they've had something oh, okay. to do with it, but like Just you can influence. tell influences. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know Nick Cave that well either. Let me show you some stuff. Um, Randy, the concert cinematography, would you say it's as good as uh, my favorite filmed music in Raw in my favorite concert scene? Or as good as Iron Maiden's Raising Hell, bro? Oh my God. <laughs> Never seen anything Iron Maiden related, and I don't remember the scene in Raw. Well, you need to get on it because Simon Drake is the leading magician in the world. And he is still performing in England. So we're going to go out there. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> this did uh, make me very excited. I forgot that he was doing the, um, the movie Blonde about Marilyn Monroe. Uh, uh, which, is a, which is an NC-17 rating. I heard, yeah. And I think it's like almost three hours long, too, but. So I just see what, he, what he does with that. She wear a MAGA hat or something? <laughs> I don't. I think Andrew Dominic is super interesting. Um, I, I I really like him, and I really like that movie he made with Brad Pitt, Killing Them Softly. Man, what a movie! Yeah. It's really good. And people do not like that movie. Did you hear Brad Pitt's got that thing now? Was it? Brad? Uh, he's got the bullet train. He's got the bullet. I Hell was yeah. it him. Who's having the the fucking uh, Bruce Willis shit going on? With Bradley Pitt? Somebody check me on that. No. I thought I had heard that recently. Not Bradley. Yeah. Oxone, check out his mental status. Yep. Face blindness. Yeah. He's got the face blindness thing oh, going on. No. What does that mean? <laughs> I think that's why uh, Bruce Willis like did all those movies that year and then is like done. So you're telling me we're still going to get Bullet Train, but maybe not Bullet Train 2. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> <sighs> Unless it's Apparently like, they I'm- have different things, but uh, yeah, I don't know. They're kind of similar. Yeah, I know I Bruce Willis has aphasia and what Brad Pitt has, I do not know how to pronounce. Give it a shot. Prosopagnosia? I mean, that was my first guess. That's, that's a guy who directed Spaghetti Westerns, dude. <laughs> yeah, Giovanni, Prosopragnagia. <laughs> Thanks, Randy. <laughs> All right, anything else, son? Uh, no, that's it. I actually, I, I did watch something that I won't talk about because I thought you guys <laughs> would have watched it, but uh, I watched a, uh, a found footage movie that the Unnamed Footage uh, Festival posted about on the internet. How do you know we didn't watch it, Randy? Because I don't see it on the document that <laughs> outlines all the movies we're going to talk about. Yeah, you know, here's, here's a little uh, 
behind the curtain. Tom hit me up about it. He told me he had gotten up at 4 a.m. when Netflix had put the movie up so he could watch it immediately. Yeah. And uh, yeah, he's like, hey, let's do that for next week's TBR. So you know what? Uh, I guess we're, I totally forgot about that. I guess we're going to do double TBR next week. What's the baby? movie? I uh, don't know the name because I tried Incantation. to say God damn it, Randy. Incantation. Yeah, I'll send it to you if you want to join in on that. Oh, I think, I, is it Japanese? No. Try again. Is it? Come on. No, you're looking it up. Narnian. It's Thai, isn't it? I think it's Taiwanese. Yeah. yeah is it Taiwanese? <laughs> I believe so. Yeah. Dude, I'm smelling burnt toast right now. Oh, boy. Me too, brother. Are we right. going to have a group fucking stroke? Into the breach of death. What is go. that? I don't smell anything. All right. It's just me. Then. Probably just a gas leak again. No worries. <laughs> That's what all those explosions were on 4th 100%. of July. All right. Yesterday, I saw a film. And to talk about this film, we're going to the United Kingdom to talk about. Hello. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> From director Jim Archer and writer and star David Earl, who I am a big fan of. David Earl, if you have watched any of Ricky Gervais' um, comedies in the last decade, you have probably seen David Earl pop up. David Earl was a big part in Ricky Gervais' um, show he did. Um, oh my God, I love that show and I can't think of it. Um, where he, Derek, uh, he was in Derek. He played Kev and Derek. Um, he also was in uh, Ricky Gervais's show Afterlife, which I gave up after season two because it was terrible. And I love Ricky Gervais, but uh, David Earl did a great job in that show because he's just uh, endlessly watchable and. Uh, very odd and peculiar and strange and brilliant. Uh, he also does a um, podcast with another British comedian who is also in a lot of those same uh, shows. Um, that podcast is called Gossip Mongers, where listeners send in random bits of gossip from their town growing up, and then they uh, talk about it, and it's real fun. Um they did the first season, and uh, that was back in February. They did the first episode of the new season back in February and haven't done one since. So <laughs> don't really know what's going on with Gossip Mongers, but uh, when it comes back, I'll be ready. But the film I want to talk about is his uh, film, Brian and Charles. After a particularly harsh winter, Brian goes into a deep depression. Completely isolated and with no one to talk to, Brian does what any sane person would do when faced with such a melancholic situation. He builds a robot. This film is cute. This film is sweet. This film is empathetic. This film is light. It's fantastical. Um, it pretty much throws logic out of the window here, and it's just a feel-good story. Um, it's someone, and I, I, I slightly agree with this assessment, but it's a good way to sort of package this, is it is The Office meets Young Frankenstein. 
which is not a terrible way to package this. Um, Russell, I think you would have a difficult time with this movie. <laughs> I'm looking at the trailer right now. It looks uh, like Terry Gilliam-esque. It looks nice. A little. Um, so the thing is, is that it, it's, it's PG. It's not PG. This is PG. This is a family film. I love PG. Psycho Gorman. Um, thank you very much. This is a family film. I don't think there's any curse words here. You can show this to your kids. This is for a broad audience. Oh, like our show. And thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and you can you can kind of film that, but it's it's just very sweet, very gentle. Um, it is funny. I had fun, and it's just a nice, light-hearted comedy um, that really does. And the thing is, I I kind of wanted more because I, like I said, I am familiar with David Earl's work and he generally leans toward the darker side of things. And we don't really get that. Um, but just his performance, um, is, you know, stands up on its own, um, because he knows how to, you know, play that character and, um, Really enjoyed that part of it, and you know, there's a uh, a love triangle, well, not a triangle, but you know, he has a love interest. Um, she's also a bit of an outsider, um, and then he there is my main problem is the antagonist in the film, where I think maybe it would have been more interesting if Charles the robot ended up being the antagonist uh, because at the end of the day, I am pro-human 100%. Uh, <laughs> and I think that all robots are antagonists. Um, however, you know, they're a nearby neighbor in his village. Uh, they are a family of bullies. They play the antagonist and they play the ones who want to, they stole Charles and they uh, wanted to burn him at the now stake. Don't ruin the damn movie. Um, to, let's talk about Charles here for a second. So, <laughs> Charles, the robot that Brian's character builds, is at least seven feet tall. He is enormous. His body is made from a washing machine. And his he, there's a human inside of that is he's clearly human legs um, <laughs> and human arms. And the movement of it is very amusing. As the robot is just very peculiar looking and just enormous. And it's very fun. Um, and like I said, it is fantastical because, uh, David Earl's character of Brian plays a guy who's, you know, a bit of a loner out there in the country, uh, countryside of England, and he just makes things and he invents things and they are dumb inventions that serve no purpose. And they also, you know, to varying degrees of success. So by no means is he or do we believe that he is a competent inventor? Then all of a sudden, he builds this highly sophisticated, very successful, sentient robot uh, with the body of a washing machine and the head of a mannequin. And uh, he eventually, he speaks immediately, and they forge this very strong friendship together. Uh, and then Charles really starts to build his own personality and by Brian's definition, he turns into a bit of a cheeky robot as he talks back a little bit, but they're always on the same side. And then Charles also develops a love for traveling and wants to travel to Honolulu, which he cannot pronounce correctly, which is uh, involves some you know, comedic moments there. Um, again, this thing is, I mean, it is light, sweet, um, just a, a nice little, uh, nice little distraction. 
Now, I saw a quote on the trailer that said it's like a magical robot mockumentary. Is there a film crew there? Thank you very much. It is a FODOC. Oh, is that why you said The Office? That it kind of loses that thread like the towards office. the end. <laughs> yeah. But they lean heavily on it in the first act and at the very end of the third act. Um but yes, it is a faux doc. You know, uh, mockumentary is a great way to change the way that you're like laying out the story. Because I know we've talked about it on here, but think about it. Like, why why make this movie a mockumentary? And I think the exposition, you get to set up the movie immediately. Because they're probably like, they straight up tell you who he is and what the relationship is, right? Like, they just lay the story out. And it yeah. makes sense because it's a documentary. That's kind of interesting. I um. I'm interested to go back and look at movies like Dog Show or Best of Show. What the Best hell? Best in Show. Best in Show. Like, and just see how they, un, you know, lay out the story in a different way using the medium. But I don't know. This looks cool. I, I think the uh, visual quirks of that robot make it worth watching alone. Although I am a little worried that you're like, I'm going to have a hard time with it. No, it, like I said, it, this is, you can show this to your children. Yeah. Easily. Um, it's very, very sweet. Enjoyed Brian and Charles. Okay. Now let's go back, wind the clocks back to the day where we celebrate this country's independence from the British. (laughs) (laughs) What a nice little segue here. This is a film that, uh, was released by our friends over at Severin. I think last year and the last couple of years, and I have had it for over a year at this juncture, and we were waiting for a good time to watch it, and we decided that July 4th was going to be the day that we venture into the world of Italian knockoff cinema, Cruel Jaws. And Randy, what do you know about Cruel Jaws? Uh, nothing, just the title only. So you know absolutely nothing of Cruel Jaws. Never seen it, never heard of it until now. <laughs> uh, Russell John, what do you think Randy would think of Cruel Jaws? Um, I don't know. He might be offended by it. It is a uh, basically theft of cinema. Yes. Well, um, <clears throat> by one of the great cat burglars of cinema, Bruno Mattei. Yeah, for sure. Uh Russell, provide a little bit of context with our listeners who may not understand Bruno Mattei. And I've seen several, including Shocking Dark, um, which I believe we saw at the uh, ACFA. No, we didn't. We saw Lady Terminator, uh, but I, <laughs> which is, I mean, pretty similar because it's pretty much the same idea, right? So, yeah, provide a little context on Bruno Mattei. Uh, he's just a, like prolific uh italian director writer editor who was just you know italy had a film industry where they would mash together genres just to get everybody interested yeah and a lot of the time i mean like like zombie with an eye that's a film that was marketed directly as the sequel to dawn of the dead which it wasn't but so, the, you know, there's kind of a history of doing some shoddy IP shit over there. And uh, Bruno Mattei is just, he's, uh, I think this film, like, I'm not a fucking Italian horror historian by any regard. And I mostly know of him because of The Beast, 
the other name for the cruel jaws. So this is kind of the, the, the grail that, you know, somebody like me who likes looking for bootlegs or to see these kind of movies. I didn't put a ton of effort in here. I know people had seen it before, but man, when Severn put this out, it was kind of like, it was like a shift in the culture because yeah. it's like, well, how can they even, I'm not even sure how they legally put this out. I'm guessing statue of limitations or something or yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. Yeah. yeah. Um, and to add to the mythos of Bruno Mattei, very rarely is he credited as Bruno Mattei in his directorial credits. Um, he has many, many aliases as he has gone by, um, including Jordan B. Matthews, Jimmy Mateus, Vincent Dawn, Gilbert Rossell, Bob Hunter, Frank Clocks, <laughs> Pierre LeBlanc. Dude, Frank Clocks is my favorite. Clocks, K-L-O-X. Oh, damn. <laughs> yes. And he was credited as William Snyder in Cruel Jaws. I, from my uh, research, which I am conducting right now, I think that is the only time he was credited as William Snyder. Um, but yes, so we saw Cruel Jaws and Man Almighty. Um, so, Randy, the, the, all of the shark footage uh, was stolen from previous productions. So there is no actual shark in the film. Um, so the actors are just, uh, I, yeah, I don't really know what the actors are doing in this entire production. <laughs> um, to varying degrees of success. Uh, we have a, uh, again, a cast of unknowns, but man almighty, I think it was a very interesting cast. Uh, we've got a guy who looks like young Matt Damon, um, who's got a potty mouth and he's supposed to, he's essentially playing the, um, oh God. <laughs> Told you you're having Jaws. a stroke. What's his name? Richard Dreyfus. He's playing the Richard Dreyfus um, in this, and the guy playing um, I, I I'm losing my line today. Who's the sheriff in Jaws? You need a, you Roy need... Schneider. Roy Schneider. Yeah. Roy Schneider. Thank you. <laughs> that guy is a zero. Um, he gets. Uh, he falls out of a helicopter trying to shoot a shark um, in a what is one of the worst scenes you'll ever see in your life. It's really a feat of editing. Not a great success, but they really they figure out how to patchwork a story together. Now, I am I'm building all this up to talk about one guy that I, I, I just I mean, you know, it, look, I enjoyed Curl Jaws. It's it's fun. It's uh, terrible. And it's a good time. I mainly want to talk, and I'll, I'll hand this over to Russell, and I don't know how much he has, but I mainly just want to talk about the actor Richard Dew, who plays Dag Sneerenson in the film. Now, he is one of our protagonists. He plays a guy who owns, um, I guess, a sort of very, very, very small-scale sea world where he has two dolphins, and that's it. <laughs> And um, he has a daughter in a wheelchair um, and two dolphins and maybe another daughter who may or may not have gotten killed. I got very confused with who was dying um, as the death scenes were essentially non-existent. But this guy, when you see him, you're like, oh, my God, who is this Hulk Hogan ripoff? Yeah. Randy, 
he looks like Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I mean, exactly like Hulk Hogan. Russell, am I? It, it, he looks like Hulk Hogan. He looks like Hulk Hogan if he didn't eat spinach or yes. something. Like if he were a foot shorter. Yes. that's pretty much it. Now, um, when you go and look at Richard, this is the only uh, credit he has uh, for acting. And if you see his performance, I, let me tell you something. <laughs> I thought he did a fine job. I did too. I enjoyed him. Now, but if you scroll down, he has two other credits uh, under additional crew. Assault on Death Mountain and Assault on Devil's Island. Randy, do you know who is the star of both of those films? Uh, I don't. I was about to click on it, but I won't now. <laughs> Hulk Hogan is the star of those and our boy Richard Dew played the stand-in for Hulk Hogan in both of those oh. productions. So the star of this film is a stand-in for Hulk Hogan. So that's what you're going into with Cruel Jaws. I just want to be very clear um, of, of what kind of film we're walking into. And uh, if you enjoy that, then you're going to have a fun time with Cruel Jaws. And I did have a fun time with Cruel Jaws. Russell, the floor is yours. Um, yeah, what would you like to know? I mean, again, this, this film is notorious for using stolen footage and uh, even borrowing a theme song from a little film called Star Wars. Dude, the <laughs> thing, that is bananas. Well, even the context of it, like when our group of heroes is going on a boat to hunt the shark, they play like the Star Wars. That is, <laughs> honestly, I thank you for bringing up that boat scene because there's people on the dock and there's people on the boat. How many times do they go back and forth with them waving? Oh, Four dude. times? Uh, enough to be like a Tim and Eric skit. It's so good. <laughs> It's. I'm telling you, man, Cruel Jaws is worth watching. It's fun. I'm glad I have it in the collection. Yeah, so you know what? Here's the best way to do it. Again, I'm not a uh, purveyor of Italian horror cinema, even though I own a lot of it. There's so many books put out about it, too. I feel like you could be just an Italian horror like historian. Um, so I'll do what uh, you know. the amount of research this show demands. Uh, I just went to trivia on IMDb. <laughs> now here, I'm just going to pull some random ones. Again, I mentioned earlier how in Italy, Zombie 2 was, you know, sequel to Dawn of the Dead, which was titled Zombie over there. Here, uh, here's a little trivia. Marketed it as Jaws 5 Cruel Jaws, even though the movie has no connection with Jaws. Uh, so yeah, that seems like it would be a little illegal over here. Here, let me pick a random one. The mafia and the bullying subplots in the film were actually deleted parts in the original 1974 Jaws novel and were later inspired in this film. So, again, just when the movie was over, I, I ran through what we had just witnessed. And now it, what, it's been a week. Let me see if I can get this convoluted plot right. Um, okay. A shark starts killing people off the beach of Florida. A small-time dolphin trainer is worried because his business is... Uh, so Jeff Bezos is attempting to buy out his land. Yes. And he wants to put a big park on there. Now, here's the thing. Bezos has a ton of money. So he hires... He puts out a, a, a hit on the shark, hires patrols of helicopters, and just puts all the money he can to keep this thing alive and to keep the uh, press away from shutting down the beach. So he can't do it. The shark keeps killing people. So the mafia gets involved because they've been funding Jeff Bezos from the beginning and he's failing. I think this is the part of the movie where a dude with a rifle and a helicopter is murdered by a shark that jumps out of the ocean. <laughs> uh, so, the, so the mafia jumps in. 
start harassing the heroes from the uh, small dolphin training company and sabotage their boat. Also, the the dolphin trainer, who's led by Minnie Hulk Hogan, discovers that there's a government ship wrecked in the harbor, or I don't know, in the coast of Florida. (laughs) And this is where the shark has been living, because the Navy has been genetically modifying a shark to be a new weapon of war, and it is highly territorial. So they've found the location, and the mafia is going to go out there and kill it. This movie... (laughs) I, you know... There's, there's an issue with films like this. It is fucking bad in the perfect way. Uh, it is com- The cast is completely made up of non-union locals. So we're getting a lot of people who aren't really working actors. We have an Italian director doing American culture. We're dealing with sharks on a beach. Like, you know, originally it is a 4th of July film. That's why we played the counter movie. And they just don't understand any of it. And there are moments in this movie that normally I would feel would ruin. Like I'd ruin it if I mentioned it, like how uh, somebody tries to defeat the shark by picking up a, a tank of gas and throwing it much like in the original jaws. But unfortunately the tank was open. They end up spilling gasoline <laughs> all over themselves. And when the shotgun goes off, their boat explodes. Now the problem and the reason I felt okay mentioning this is because it happens in the third act. And if you are watching these films alone at home, you're not making it to the third act. This is definitely a movie you'd probably turn off because you were bored. Group movie, find a friend. But as a group, it was nope. fucking hilarious. It was incredible. And um a, a scene like that, you just you got to watch it. There was no, I mean, so much weird shit had happened by this point that when she picked up the tank and it was clearly gasoline was going all over her, you're like, whoa, how is this going to do anything? I mean, I could have never guessed that that large explosion was about to happen. I, yeah, uh, how anticlimactic is the death of Cruel Joe's? Well, there's a weird ending, too. Yeah. Get some friends together next 4th of July. Do celebrate America right by um, supporting independent film that steals a bunch of our stuff. And uh, make sure to have a couple drinks, too. We were doing this dry. I think it would have helped. Um, I'm, I'm still waiting for Moose Jaws. I, yeah, what's up with that? It's not happening because Clerks 3 is happening. I think it's not uh, happening yeah, because the other two were, like, you know, the what was the first one? Tusk was okay. Yeah. It was half a great movie. Yeah. Then we get uh, Yoga Hosers, which Yoga is Hosers. A good movie. God, (laughs) man, I didn't like that movie. Who Uh, did? R.I.P. Marbles. She loved it because she was like, "Well, she's an idiot." (laughs) Love you. She was like, "That's a that's a movie made by a dad who loved his daughter," and she's like, "That's what I want." So she loved that. Same. (laughs) (laughs) We can all appreciate that. It's just, um, I fucking hated it. We saw it at Little Roxy. Shout out to the Clark Little Roxy. All All right. right. Uh, my last movie, which will be, um, you know, our ceremonious handoff between my reviews and Nelson's reviews. Oh yeah. Cause we've been hanging out watching movies. Final flesh. This is a film. You may have heard of it if you're cool. And if you're not cool, welcome to the show. We're going to make you cool. Now, uh, this is a film, uh, again, released, uh, by, I picked this up through vinegar syndrome, but however, vinegar syndrome was doing this weird thing, uh, this past, month uh where they had their partners and they were solely selling their partner movies through their website so uh this is originally picked up by um agfa Agfa and drag city 
Um, and, and it was on pre-order and I got it right when it was released. So this is a brand new spanking fresh release of Final Flesh. Now, to try to explain what this film is, I'm going to try to do my best here. Um, this is, all right, you want to just read the thing? Okay. Uh, this is, uh, he is not credited as the director, but he is the one who compiled everything, and that is Vernon Chapman. He is the writer. Vernon Chapman, you may not be familiar with his name, but you are certainly familiar with his work. He is one of the brain trust on South Park. Um, he also is one of the co-creators of Wonder Chosen. Fantastic. Uh, which Oksana has never seen or heard of. I know. It, which is insane. Not that insane. <laughs> Randy, you I don't know it either, so... You don't know Wonder Chosen? No. Dog. All right, y'all got homework to do. Next week, I want you to get in here with Wonder Chosen in your brain. Um, he's also done a, a lot of Adult Swim stuff, so Vernon Chapman, um, you know, that that's the world he's coming in. Uh, you know, sort of the alternative comedy scene, um, and, you know, super creative, uh, and is willing to... Uh, you know, take a chance on being, you know, experimental, you know, doing his thing, doing things his way. So what he did was that he wrote a script um, where an atom bomb has dropped and a family is trying to cope with that. <laughs> so he wrote four scripts and this was done in, now it's credited as 2009, but Russ, did you say something about 2003 when all this was done? Oh, I have no idea. So, it, yeah, so it says in the early 2000s. So I don't think it was done until 2009, but I want to say that some of this oh. was shot. So I think the four scripts that he wrote that make up the one, I believe a lot of those were sent out in like early aughts. Because yeah. they feel early aughts. Yeah, I don't know if any of those porn companies are still around. So back in those days, you could send a script of your own at, to a you know independently uh, produced porn company. Um, and they would provide the actors and whatever, and they would act out your script. And that is what he did. And he made it very strange. He only gave them one rule, and he said, uh, stick to the script. That's it. Say all the words. And that's exactly what they did. Now, uh, all of these actors are, you know, deal in you know, pornographic acts and fetish videos and things like that. But there is no actual sex acts uh, that are done in this. There is some nudity here uh, and some simulated nudity um, as, you know, hot dogs are substituted for phalluses and things of that nature. Um, we're off to the races immediately. Um, as the first segment was my favorite segment. I'll say that. Um, I honestly kind of feel like they shouldn't have let off of that because I thought it was the strongest. The fourth was very good. Well, here's the thing. It's one story. So, you know, it's one script broken up into four parts. Yeah. You don't know what you're going to get out of these companies. But but when you're editing, you do. Yeah, but it's the beginning. I mean, continuity is very important in this movie. <laughs> yeah. you, can't, you can't be plugging and playing with this shit. Wait, how so? It's, because it's one story. It's not an anthology. It's like one continual story. Yeah, but it doesn't, I mean... I understand that I'm arguing for something that does not matter. It, it doesn't matter at all. In technically, it is. Yes. You're not it, wrong. The, okay, I understand what you're saying. Yeah, the script is built out of, like, faux philosophy, and again, non-actors trying to deliver, like, 
I, it's almost reads like theatrical play. Like, like if you're going to a theater performance. Yeah. Yeah. So again, arguing for each part to be in its perfect place is one thing. Again, not a film to watch alone, unless you're like a true fucking avant-garde uh, deconstructing cinema guru. This could get really boring. So I think leading off with those people is kind of a hook. Yeah. Know. Also, I'll, I'll say this. Uh, I was laughing a whole lot more than you two boobs over there. Well, I instantly felt bad because Oksana revealed that uh, in our past, in our very decorated, very cultured uh, history here in the Bay Area, we had somehow seen this movie already. You Which, had zero recollection. I was like, holy shit, we saw this? And I didn't yeah. say anything because I didn't want to ruin your experience. And I knew if you were like, oh, dude, I've seen this shit already. Instantly, I'd be like, oh. No. I, but I didn't remember any of it. It just looked like it was like deja vu watching it. Yeah, you verbalized it again. Like, like some movies I love. I couldn't have told you what was going to happen. Partially, I, I still can't tell you what happened in this movie. <laughs> Although I, I could say that a uh, topless girl pours... Uh, virgin tears on her and tears of neglected children yeah but i mean I, that's not really ruining the plot in any way and then tears of politicians and there's a mouse inside <laughs> <laughs> and then there's a young lady who goes to the bathroom uh after sure she it's not a rat oh <laughs> i think it, yes that is the um connotation there but uh, i don't know if the budget if they had the budget for a rat <laughs> Um, and then there's a part where a young lady uh, announces that she's going to go take a dump, and she goes into the restroom, sits on the toilet, and reads the Quran. You know, here's the thing. What a fantastic concept. Because I, I know the, the whole porn angle might seem like just for, like a funny thing, but the thing about porn, like these people have a company where you send them a script about your personal kink, and they make it happen. And I think they take it fucking seriously. They do. So, the, you know, a lot of the humor comes from these people who are not used to actually delivering lines or spouting existential horror. And they're confronted with a script that's making them question God and reality and then go poop. And I'm sure these are the most... If you're ever going to find people who are comfortable acting like they were like defecating... It's it's these people. And honestly, I don't know. It, this is another instance of not so bad it's good. I think it's it's funny when you clash two different kind of film industries together. Yeah. Right? And what a, varying degrees of production. Oh, dude. That last, the final one, you weren't psyched about it like I was, but I thought they were pulling it off. They were doing lighting tricks and oh, shit. Oh, yeah. Now, the third segment, that was the one where... Randy, at least during three times in that segment, you hear, okay, action. <laughs> you see the guy, you see the, the camera operator in the mirror. Yeah. Um, you see boom mics, you see, every, yeah. yeah. And also uh, the worst acting. Yeah, for sure. Um, but I enjoyed that one as well. Now, so did you like it? I couldn't read I did. it. Okay. Yeah. I, um, first... No, it's so, great. So Clark bought the Blu-ray. I missed out on it. And then you, you donated it. Uh, why do you keep doing that? You're weird. Because I don't need stuff. Does <laughs> so he think you're better than me? Do you want Cruel Jones too? No, I already have it. Okay. We both bought it. All right. Granted, no, you, you need, want Cruel Jones. You need stuff. You I'm need good. to be anchored to reality. 
Um, first, shout out Vinegar Syndrome. Fantastic release. We have the thick slip cover here. Beautiful art. I love it. On the back, there is a quote from one of our favorite filmmakers that says, after watching this film, I started drinking mouthwash on the rocks. Uh, that's from Harmony Kareen. So this is the kind of nice. company we're keeping here. Now, on the disc, there were not a ton of special features, but they, you know, it's, it's quality over quantity here. So we have uh, Turkington, who is straight up doing his character from Cinema on Cinema. And he's doing a straight-faced review of the movie. And he's got all his VHS tapes behind him. It's just like if you ever watch uh, the Tim Heidecker, uh, Greg Turkington show on YouTube, it's literally like it's ripped out of that. And um, if you're a fan of it, fantastic. If you don't know what that is, you'll be confused. But again, I don't think you're yeah. watching Final Flesh. Did Neil Hamburger show up? Yeah. Well, no, he just he was just Greg Turkington That's the whole shame. time. No, it's perfect. It, because there's no sense of like self-awareness at all, which is what this movie kind of is, too. Now, the, my favorite special feature is they have a blooper reel on here. Oh, boy. And it's like, what is that? <laughs> what? Also, again, you know, we, we veer into, like, I think why I like found footage, and I can't help but think about the craft. Like, I would love to read the script. If anybody knows where the actual script that got sent out is, or, you know, obviously, like, um, a PDF of it or something, please send it to me, because I would love to know if they gave camera direction or not. Like if these people were actually getting on the floor and filming up as a dude with spaghetti in his underwear is standing on the kitchen table or was that their own inspiration? Like, I, I really want to know. Yeah. Also that dude that I just mentioned, I think there was a second family. It was, um, the, uh, she's on the back, the blonde girl or, uh, the girl with the glasses and the very skinny kind of toned. Yeah. He, um, they're the ones that provided all the bloopers, which I would love to know why. Like, why would you send? Like, I, I'd love to know the conversation. But if somebody's asking for porn, like this is my kink, right? Uh, you taking a shit and while talking about the Quran, um, why would you send a blooper package? It's weird. Anyway, the bloopers are fucking fantastic. Well, it's content. Well, here's the yeah, not in the early aughts. That wasn't a thing we were concerned about. But here's the thing. These people, they give you the insight that I want where they're laughing. They're struggling with some of these lines. And that scene that I just uh, mentioned with um, the male character standing on the table, it starts with him doing it and just being like, all right, hand me the spaghetti. And it's like a chunky spaghetti. He pulls up his tidy whities and pours it in there. And the girls are just laughing at him. And he's just like, all right, come on, come on. We got to get this done. This is not good. But He's also in a good mood, and that scene opens with him flexing. So he's just like, up on the table. It is a long, single shot of them trying to nail this thing. It is fucking hilarious. It is so good. That's good. And they're kind of talking about, like, at, at no point are they ever, what are we doing? Why are we doing this? And I think it's just the nature of kinks, right? Like, who knows what gets people off? And they don't even question it. And I don't know, I felt kind of like in, endeared to them. Like, they're not judging anybody. They're doing all this fucking weird shit. And they're just like, yeah, well, this we're, we're helping them out. Yeah. So I don't know. It, the, the movie made me weirdly, like, empathetic. Although, I, I don't know, having stranger and stranger kinks might be a sign of a diseased culture, but uh, whatever. 
I don't know. Yeah, man, I I didn't think it was exploitative of you no. know, those people and you know what they were doing. Well, you know what? So bad it's good. I, I thought it was just a, a really creative collaboration. Yeah, and again, whenever people try to make like movies like Samurai Cop Two, where they're trying to recapture the lightning in a jar shit. The reason that doesn't work is because they're in on the joke and they're self-aware. Yeah. These people at no point are ever like, we're doing something stupid. Yeah. And I don't know. It fucking worked. Uh, again, not for casual film fans, though. Pure. Only cool kids only. All right. And I'll, uh, it's my turn to take over. I'll be, I'll be quick. I know, God, we've been running long on these. And originally I was, I was very down to be like, let's hit an hour. We're doing two shows a week. Let's keep it at an hour. We'll make the name actually mean something for once. But I just, I love hanging out with y'all, so I can't help it. We'll cut out your bullshit oh, fake segment you did. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll have you rant at our uh, handful of audience members. That's right. Cutting it ever slimmer, but we'll, <laughs> we'll cut my, um, my fantastic segment, which I already forgot the name to. It will not be coming back. Don't worry. And uh, so this, this week, I watched a couple of, uh, I watched a little bit of Asian cinema. Do you, from the 90s. Oddly, oh. I got a 91 feature and a 92. Where are we going to start? Let's, let's go chronologically. Yeah, 90. So in 1991 in Japan, a film was made called Wizardry. This is anime. Like, okay. All right. The See eyes are already one. rolling. It's actually an OVA, um, which just means it's, it's 60 minutes long. It's a different. I'm not going to get in the weeds there on that, but I am going to get in the weeds on Wizardry. Um. Oh, shit. How do I do this brief? So Dungeon Dragons, the first tabletop game ever. Uh, hugely popular. Got a lot of people interested in fantasy, sword and sorcery um, narratives. So it moved into video games. And an early DOS game was Wizardry. This is a dungeon crawl. So it's kind of first person. You just move forward. You don't ever see your characters. And in Wizardry, you'd have a lot of them. You'd have fucking paladins, bishops. Like You'd build out, I think, eight people in a team. You get to name them all. Very fun. Get to roll all their stats. And then you get murdered by monsters that just occupy a dungeon that is uh, levels deep. Again, this game features an elevator where you move down levels. And uh, you come from an inn that's right above it. So this game was hugely influential in Japan. So... I've been reading up a little bit on it because you never hear about this film. Also, it's a hand-drawn anime. You'd think there'd be more fandom. Mm. It's a little, uh, little nerdy, though. Now, Wizardry had uh, all dork culture, all nerd culture. There's always inside jokes. And this one was not free of it. So if you're an American audience, you might have noticed that Murphy's Ghost is a uh, play at Murphy's Law. Where they they put it, oh my god. You know, I used to read some of the stuff my dad had in his D&D game. And like a magic item might be the pet rock. And you activate it and it's like a rock. And it's like, okay, I get it. I guess that's funny. Whatever. Um, this this game features a villain named uh, Wordna. Which is the creator's name, Andrew Backwards. Oh, There's a lot of that. Now, the reason I'm mentioning it is because American audiences, I guess, had kind of a uh, silly approach to this game. And we're like, oh, okay, we're having fun. Japan, however, took it deadly serious. And they just thought this was the coolest shit. So they, the anime is highly faithful to the game. Now, there's a fan sub available on um, YouTube. 
And this is early fan sub shit. I'm not talking Crunchyroll or any of Toonami shit. This has asterisks. So not only do you get dialogue on the bottom that's subtitled, but above the screen, you get an asterisk. So if somebody casts a spell, it'll tell you what the name of the spell in the game is because they don't tell you in, in the anime. And they will tell you what it does so that you can follow along. This shit is highly nerdy. Also... This game kind of created all the isekai tropes. Now, I know I'm deeply in the woods here, but uh, isekai is a genre that is popular in anime that uh, I think Randy would appreciate, where it's like, say you're really into VR, or you love playing World of Warcraft, and you get sucked into the game. Now, if you die in the game, you die, but you're, the game is populated by a bunch of people who are abducted by the game, and guess what? You're the hero. So we're doing the hero's journey in the digital age. This is, of course, targeted at an agoraphobic culture. Japan is also diseased. Anyway, this is highly popular. A lot of people don't know. All the tropes came out of wizardry. If you're used to an inn populated by heroes sitting around drinking, talking about treasure, and then building a party to go back in a dungeon, you see it here first. Um, again, this shit is fucking cool. I love sword and sorcery when it's straightforward and not taken as a joke. There's no, we're not playing around here. Um, if that sounds appealing to you, jump onto YouTube. Actually, can we just tweet that thing out? Yeah. All right. In between our alt right uh, tweets, we'll put out wizardry. Um, <laughs> yeah, 1991. Can't recommend this enough. If you're like me, love animation and sword and sorcery. This is, this is fucking cool. That's me. Or if you're a fan of like, might and magic which i'm a fan of magic mike oh me too xl yeah <laughs> no, no joke actually uh XXL. shout out to our uh cinematic um oblivion i gotta keep saying guru i'm trying to find a different word sherpa our cinematic sherpa david robson who wrote a review of magic mike xl xxl xxl I'm, i didn't mean to jip it in x thank you so much uh and he did it in the frame of an adventuring party in a rpg so go read that. I believe it's on his blog. Uh, what is it? House of Sparrows. Mm -hmm. um, and my, my second film, my last film, is from 1992. This time we're in Hong Kong as I watched a Cat 3 film. Uh, a little context on how this film came to be. We've been kind of loosely. Whoa, 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 whoa! You're watching Cat Three without me. Dude? I didn't know what it was. I it was Cat Three. I looked it up. It's actually one of the most prolific Cat Three. Films. <laughs> what the hell? Um. So here's a little context. We've been loosely reviving, uh, screening once a week. So our former third chair, Justin Coot, uh, frontman of the band Alcatraz, has been coming over, and we just. Whatever, we'll just watch random movies. So he brought a movie that he found in a community bin. So, you know, if you have like a library and people donate movies, but they won't take them, they'll put books and movies out in like a box on the street that anybody can grab. We have one on our street. So, oh, we do? Mm -hmm. Just up the block. Oh, shit, I had no it's idea. Books, though. Opt what the fuck? I'm reading books? Yeah, it's up there. Okay, I gotta go check it out. Because maybe they'll have a film uh, titled Naked Killer. <laughs> like they did in the community <laughs> box that Justin went to. So he texted me, dude, what are the chances this is good? And I'm like, what are the chances it's fucking cursed? Who's leaving a movie called Naked Killer in a fucking community box? <laughs> anyway, he brought it over and we're like, how, how are we not going to watch it? The story was good enough, even if it's bad, whatever. So we get in. I'm looking at the DVD case as, we're, as it's starting up. I'm like, wait a minute, this is Hong Kong 1992. 
this might be a banger. Now, I didn't see the Cat 3 logo anywhere. So I'm like, okay, I'm good. Clark won't get mad at me. We're, we're fucking around. You know, they're, they're, they're titillating. Not a lot of nudity up top. Uh, there's a very aggressive female who does not like misogynist men. And uh, she goes home with the dude, jumps in the shower. This guy's got creep vibes all over him. So she comes out. She's got some uh, workout equipment. And Randy, honestly, it made me think of Final Destination. Because uh, what was that in Final Destination 2 where somebody gets killed with like a fake like workout machine? Yeah, I think it might be two. Two or three. I, I just remember they had to construct a machine because there's no way that the plates would swing down and crush your head like they do uh, in yeah, Final yeah, Destination. Yeah. yeah, so in this one, she comes out. She does a flip. Her feet catch a pull-up bar that she has. She picks up two dumbbells while swinging comes at the guy's head and does a pincer strike with the dumbbells on his skull and uh his head pops now this is one of those things where everybody's kind of like well i don't know what to expect we're like 10 minutes in there's a lot of like i don't know kind of like edgy language a lot of swearing that happens and everybody goes oh my god (laughs) and we're off to the races this movie has got oh man clark i feel terrible now we should watch this movie there's a crime scene that's being investigated by two uh, dopey cops again. You know, Hong Kong loves dumb police. They do. And they're looking for one of the victim's members. They can't seem to locate his... Uh, penis? Ding- his ding- we don't say penis in this movie. Penis! In fact, there's a scene where an English officer is talking to a uh, local poli- uh, detective. And he, for some reason, he just won't say the P word. So he's throwing out a bunch of words I've never heard used ah, to yes. describe. I a, see you know your judo well. Have you ever heard of a wedding tackle? I'm sorry? A wedding tackle. I have not. <laughs> That's what he, he's like. Uh, he's, tr- he's saying th- ding dong, a uh, wiener, uh, floppy he Joe. He didn't say wiener. It's, I know. I'm just making it. I can't remember what he was <laughs> saying. Wedding tackle? And he's like, oh, wedding tackle. And the guy's like, oh, come on. I know what a wedding tackle is. Why didn't you just say that? <laughs> wow. And I'm like, I've never heard that before. Anyway, I've I've heard genitals referred to as tackle. Okay, not no wedding not tackle. wedding tackle, but so, it's just yeah, you know, that's a hat on a hat there, friend. An- another trope is you know whenever there's like a dead body and you get a mortician eating food over it. Well, dude walks in with um a styrofoam case of like rice and like sausage. Well, he's walking under a ceiling fan, and uh, said wedding tackle falls right into his styrofoam case. <laughs> so he goes to sit down. Now this is the protagonist. This is a guy who accidentally shot his partner on, uh, on a crime scene, right? He's so traumatized by it. Now, every time he pulls his gun out, he pukes. <laughs> <laughs> so he's a detective that's just been allowed back. But, you know, his boss, he's like, I don't know. I don't know, man. I don't know if you're ready for this. I mean, take your gun out. And he can't. He'll just puke. So he's over there. He's about to eat. There's, <laughs> this phallus is just laying there. But his shitty fucking partner, the guy who just said wedding tackle, comes over, starts eating his food. Mm. So he takes a hearty bite of the head of this wedding tackle, walks over, and the guy's like, hey, we just found something. And he's like, what is it? And he pulls up, and it is the uh, said testicles. And he's like, weird, same color as the sausage you're eating. And he's like, don't look at my food. This is the kind of movie we're dealing with. There are... uh, there's a there's organized crime of girls who have been wronged by men who now just murdered. It's kind of like Dexter if they were like all pretty Asian girls, and they're they're fucking ruthless. They go out there, will hit on a guy cutting her hair, 
and then murder him in his own barbershop and just run away. And uh, there's a monofilament kill where two girls. Uh, do you know what monofilament is? Mm-mm. Have you ever seen um, what was the movie with the uh, psychic dolphin? It was a cyberpunk film. It's got our boy uh, Keanu in it. National Treasure. Randy, can you look that up? Oksana's just laughing at me. Uh, I want to say Neuromancer. It's not Neuromancer. Anyway, equilibrium. There's a great monofilament scene in there. It's the idea that it's uh, a wire that's so thin that it splits like particles. So it would like cleanly cut your arm. Well, they do that to somebody's neck in this. Fantastic. Also, we get like fucking Johnny Mnemonic. Johnny Mnemonic. Nailed it. You pulled that off the top of your head, I too. Did. Good job. Well, once I thought, oh, Cyberpunk Keanu is Johnny Mnemonic. Yeah, there you go. And again, talk about a movie that fails in the third act. Never God, that movie opens strong, dude. Anyway, um, in this one, we get a lot of John Woo like gunfighting, too. People doing like side cartwheels while dual shooting. And again, this is all contrast to the detective who can't shoot his gun because he pukes. This film has everything. I was convinced. I'm like, you know, there's like no nudity. There's a lot of like titillating moments. A lot of like girl on girl kissing, if you're into that kind of yeah. trade. And um, turns out there's an uncut version. That's not what we watched. So, so I'm thinking there's somebody out there with good taste left in uh, the Bay Area who upgraded. I very rarely use this term when buying a, a double of a feature, but he probably upgraded and tossed the old one into the community bin. So we didn't see really any nudity. I'm guessing a lot of the violence was cut out of this, but it was enough to be great. And this is going to be taboo to a lot of you, but honestly, it was so entertaining. I didn't even make an argument against it. We watched it dubbed and fuck, what dude, it was good. Hell? The dub was fucking good. Oh my God. So not only do you movie cook me. <laughs> But you cut me with dubs, dude, dude. We'll get the uncut one and watch it. And I, I had Undubbed. to, I had to look it up. And it's like, oh, this is one of the most prolific Cat Three films. But I'm watching it. You're like, there's no way it compares to any of our other. Yeah. Uh, how did it? How did it stand with the uh, the Herman Yao trilogy? Well, the the fucking Yao movies. Wong. You know, you get like corpses being raped, diseases being spread, open racism, babies being murdered and eaten. I'm like, this was not that. It just had very like stylized violence. It was kind of more goofy and genre heavy. Oh, Oksana pointed out how much she loved the interior design in this film. A lot of style. Everything looked fucking cool. I don't know. It's just a good movie. And honestly, I probably would have never watched it with the title like Naked Killer. It's like, all right, this this reminds me of the fucking American 90s, which fucking sucked with uh, what was uh, Pamela Anderson's thing where she was wearing barbed wire? Yeah, barbed wire. That's what I instantly thought. You know, I think I've seen the other cover. What's the other cover where it's like a girl in like leather shorts. Um, She's got a bandolier covering. She's like topless, but the bandolier is covering one boob. A gun is covering the other. Oh, yeah. I feel like I've seen this. That definitely looks more like a. like a film I'd watch (laughs) 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 trying to dance. I'm like, I don't know how to do that. Um, yeah. Naked killer was fantastic. Dude, Hong Kong, man. What a fucking tragic story. It gets turned over to China and all of the fucking, the free market of like film is just gone. Easy. No more politics on this show. The free market is not (laughs) politics. I'll call it, uh, 
capitalism driving a cinema with no boundaries is crushed. And again, if you want to bring it politically, a lot of the films that were coming out of the last phase of the, before the turnover, it was all gay cinema, which was super not cool at the time. That's what they choked out at the end. So, I mean, yeah, it fucking blows. All right. Well, I'm a little sad. Don't, you know, this is why I didn't like your fucking dumb movie cuck segment. I'd watch this again. I totally, I was kind of happy. Well, we got to We got to get the full. We got to get the uncut. We got to. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> Naked and uncut. Naked and uncut. <laughs> Love an uncut wedding tackle. Turtleneck time, baby. Can somebody Google that? Is wedding tackle a real thing? I'm sure. It is. I'm sure there are people listening like you've never heard of fucking wedding tackle. I mean, you could, who was the only person in this room who or in that room who had heard of? Yes, that one phrase. of the overlooked theater reviewers, Dan, uh, who writes under the moniker Math Mage, was like, "I've heard of wedding tackle." It's like the- <laughs> if you show him a mannequin of a full naked body, he couldn't point to where his wedding tackle is. <laughs> There's a movie called The Wedding Tackle. All right, next week. Oh, wait, didn't you have a segment you were going to do? Yeah, you never you never uh, got to me, though. So. We'll get to you at the end. <laughs> All right, now's your time to shine. So shine. Right? Like a diamond. Well, Russell set it up. Oh, oh my God. God. Christ. Okay, here we go. Train wreck every time. <laughs> Breaking news. We have a uh, new segment. We'll call it Homework. <laughs> call it homework. So stumbling again, to the finish here, line. We'll, we'll get a. We'll get a. Well, I thought she was going to take the lead on this one, but it's fine. Did you? <laughs> so we get emails all the time from PRs, uh, from <laughs> from publicists, from Puerto Ricans, from Puerto Ricans. We get publicists writing in all the time, and they send uh, movies that are on their way out, and they offer up screeners and sometimes interviews. Well, we've all gotten so lazy that none of us read the goddamn emails except for Oksana. So she's aware of all these movies that come across our uh, our table, and we don't even look at them. So I decided, why don't we do a thing where you pick two and throw it out there? Uh, we'll let you guys decide. If anybody votes for a particular movie, I'll do my best to get Clark to watch it with me, and then we'll cover it on the show. This is a win-win. I believe publicists get paid every time people review it, so we'll be helping them out. I hate the segment. Again, I know you do, because there is a certain quality of film that gets sent to us. They're usually, I mean, God, we. I, I think they range pretty wild. They range wildly. Maybe I just I just pick the ones that are kind of like. No, no, no. On the pie chart of uh, production value, this is the little area. Usually, it's the little area that I hate, where they have money, they're doing union shit, but they don't have a lot, so they're getting the bottom of the barrel, and you end up with people who are half in, not usually super interested, and a movie that's kind of like. I don't know, people feeling it out. But I'm down to commit to it. So, Oksana's got, you, you got two ready? Mm-hmm. So, what you, she's going to do is she's going to pitch these movies and y'all vote on it. Either email us at overlookhour at gmail.com or I'm, maybe we should put this on Instagram too, on the Overlook Theater. Yeah. You just throw it up as a poll. We'll just let people who clearly never listen to the show <laughs> vote on it. And then I promise you I'll do my best to get Clark. Maybe I'll, I'll bribe him with kookaburra wings. I'm going to create fake Twitter accounts so I can okay. uh, sway the vote. All right, let's get to it. Well, also, um, according to Urban Dictionary, a wedding tackle is a classy term to reference the entirety of one's manhood. 
Okay, what? <laughs> We're past the wedding. Thank tackle. you. <laughs> You're only 15 minutes late. All right, All right. So the first one I selected is the Retaliators. Oh, I like the name. Um, Indifferent. An upstanding pastor uncovers a dark and twisted underworld as he searches for answers surrounding his daughter's brutal murder. That's too close to home. <laughs> <laughs> or is that it? It's got a cool cover. I mean, I don't. We got I, any actors in here or anything? Let's see if you know any of them. Kim I mean, Coates. So normally, th- read the email because normally, don't they put together a pitch? It's like Michael Lombardi plays Bishop from. <laughs> I, I literally just looked that up. So hold on, let me click on IMDb from last night's or Rescue Me. He was in Rescue Me. That's totally a thing they would put in one of yeah. these in these PR. <laughs> if I'm looking at the right movie, the singer of Papa Roach is in it. Yeah, featuring Motley Crue and Papa Roach. God. Oh God, my God! <laughs> All right, the new the name of this new segment is called "Burying the Lead." I mean, cut my life into pieces. Just uh, do the. Film. This show's our last resort. What's his name? I'm Jacoby so Shaddix. <laughs> oh, I was looking at that guy. I don't know what any of their names are, though. Okay, <laughs> just, just take my money, take my right. possessions. <laughs> Holy shit. Okay, so clearly we're going to watch that one. Zoltan Bathory. That's a hell of a name. He plays Fang. (laughs) All right. What's the second one? Dude, don't you love it when the actor's name is better than the character name they're playing? All right. What's the other? Yeah. What's the other one? All right. So the other one I texted you guys about. um, (laughs) Written and directed by Spider One. (laughs) Allegoria. Allegoria by Spider One. Who Wait. is Rob Zombie's brother? Oh my! Okay, we're going mm. Power Man Five Thousand versus Papa Roach. <laughs> All right, can can you give us the synopsis of that film? Um, a group of artists' lives lives become unwittingly entangled as their obsessions and insecurities manifest monsters, demons, and death. Papa Roach. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what I'm thinking too. Randy, you Papa? Yeah, I'm Papa Roach. All right. Well, here's the thing. If you think it's funny to make us watch the one we don't like, then vote for that one. All right. I won't power man. <laughs> Allegoria. It sounds like what, it's an anthology or something. I mean, this is Ooh. what it sounds like when worlds collide. Five stories about art and monsters. Wait, it's an anthology? Fi- oh, no. Maybe. The cover, they have the fucking green horror sticker that's like peeling off. Yeah. That's yeah. usually a warning sign. It looks like a VHS tape that's got taped back together. All right. Allegoria. And what was the name of the other one? The Retaliators. The Retaliators. All right. So you guys will get this up on Twitter and we'll have a poll. Yep. Okay. All right. So keep an eye out on the Overlook Hour podcast tweeter. So you can go ahead and vote for Power Man 5000 <laughs> or Daddy Roach. Um, all right, we will see you on Thursday. We've got a good guest. Uh, we're talking to him on Tuesday. So, uh, Thursday, you can expect our interview with Dr. Jordan Peterson. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you then. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever your podcatcher of choice is. And while you're there, go ahead and give us a rating and or a review, which is a very easy way for you to support this show uh, that we bring to you every week for years now, free of charge. And as always, you can find us on YouTube at The Overlook Theater, Instagram at The Overlook Theater, 
Facebook at The Overlook Hour and Twitter at The Overlook Hour. Last but not least, you can send us your emails and tell us how much you like or dislike the show at overlookhour at gmail.com. And if you're nice, maybe we'll uh, read them on the show. I've been your engineer, Randy Stat. Please join me along with Clark, Russell, and Oksana again next time. Bye.